0: listeners this is anna and this is deepa we're coming to you through this podcast to discuss kazuo ishiguro's book never let me go before we get into the discussion we thought we'd give a short summary of the book
1: never let yeah. me go is set in a dystopian late 1900s england where the main characters are clones developed to prolong the lives of ordinary citizens by organ donations it is a state-sanctioned program, and the clones are referred to as students as they live and study in these special institutions away from the outside world. As they, being, as they become young adults, they start the donation process. All donors receive care from carers who are clones who haven't yet started the donation process. The story follows one of these clones, Kathy, from an institution called Hailsham, as she explores a relationship with Tommy and Ruth, also from Halesham.
0: We wanted to talk for a moment about why we chose to use the podcast as a way to to talk about the book and how the podcast approach in some ways mirrors the approach taken in the book. Um, Towards the end of the book, when Kathy is talking about being a care and how it isn't cut out for everybody, um, on page 207, she says, you're always in a rush or else you're too exhausted to have a proper conversation. And so we wanted to slow down and have a conversation with each other, and also by extension with you all. We wanted to start with the question um, the following. In the book, we're quickly, on, day, on page one, introduced to terms such as carer and donor, um, and as if we already know the context of these terms. How does Ishiguru manage to keep us engaged, and what do you think of the audience listener relationship, Deepa?
1: Absolutely. Um, to answer your question, you know, with the with respect to these terms being you know introduced in the first few pages of the book, um, it starts off like Kathy starts us off in like a very kind of nonchalant stream of consciousness mm-hmm. type of narration, um, in the first person. Um, there is you know such brevity and simplicity of prose. Um, and, you know, she starts off saying she's a carer. And like, to me, like when I read it, I'm like, it could mean any number of things, right? It could, it seemed to me that it, she's probably in palliative care. It did seem like she's working with patients who are in their last stages of their life, but then soon she mm. refers to the patients as donors. Um, and while it is, it was kind of distracting that we don't know who or what a donor is, there is still that narrative momentum because it seems like she's slowly revealing more information Um, It does not seem like, you know, Kathy or Ishiguro is withholding information from the reader. Um, And I think she achieves that. He achieves that by developing that relationship with the reader, right? So um, she talks to the reader directly, right? In the, I think in the second page, after she talks about this whole spiel about being a carer and she's, you know, she's only going to be a carer for a few more months uh, and how she's had a great, reputable career uh, somewhat, right? So she says something like, Anyways, I'm not making any claim, big claim for myself. I know carers working now who are just as good, but don't get half the credit. If you're one of them, I can understand how you might get resentful about my bed, sit, my car, about all the way I get to pick and choose who I look after. Um, this did such a strange thing to me. Um, I was at first like, are you talking to me? Like, like what's going on? Uh, but uh, it seemed like, it obviously seemed like she's referring to us, the reader. But if you look at it closely it's almost like there's another audience that she's talking to um, an audience who's like possibly a clone but not one of them that is not from hilsham um, and we as a readers are kind of watching this conversation unfold uh, but it's so interesting how Ishiguro achieves this because there is some narrative distance but there's also that closeness right we we don't know what our identity as a reader is but she's talking directly mm. to us right so we want to know. We want to find out, and that I think keeps it going. And that um, I think builds that that very unique re- relationship where like, we are the audience, but we're also not right. So I found that really interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, that that direct address um, and how our identity was assumed, and how it was assumed that we then knew much more than we knew, um, was really interesting and. I was really drawn into, you know, the audience listener relationship felt like it really echoed the experience of the students at Halsham to this whole, Mm -hmm. um, knowing, um, to know and not know, um, dynamic. That was, that was, that Kathy speaks to always having known of their, um, their status and their lived realities, but also not really fully knowing. And Mm -hmm. similarly, the, the reader, um, um, and the, the audience, the addressee, sort of both knows and is also uncovering a right. knowing um, yeah, in yeah. a way that felt that felt really interesting. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um,
1: yeah so uh, the next question that we have is um, So Never Let Me Go has a slow, quiet pace. What were the moments where, when you felt momentum in the book? What were the ways that the first person perspective contributed to that feeling for you?
0: So I was really interested by how um, the the story makes it very clear that Kathy is constructing a, a story that she is the the mm-hmm. novel makes it clear that Kathy's constructing a story that she she herself makes it clear she is selecting memories that mm-hmm, she finds mm-hmm. important to then yeah. make meaning of this life that she's living, especially as she looks back um, at this pivotal turning point in her in her own life. Um, and reflects on these experiences that she's had and these relationships that she's had. Um, and she's so explicit about the memories that she's going to include. She says on page 136, I want to talk about the Norfolk trip or on one or on 86, the reason I was talking about all this, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, exactly. when she really makes clear that like, I'm, I'm consciously choosing these memories to include, to construct my life. And um, and that really drove the story along, both because um, those there was that really explicit, conscious um, choice. um, But that that she was and she was being really intentional about that. And and as a reader, I wanted to better understand the reasons that she was selecting those specific stories and what um, her future or present self, and then um, you know, future self was going to understand about those stories and would bring to my own understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really, you know, that that experience of wanting to make meaning of one's life felt very universal. And so um, I was drawn into what felt like a very universal narrative of of telling one's story and you know making meaning of it. But then, particularly drawn in where there was this nuance, of course, of the, the students being clones. And um, so this real, uh, hu- and being perceived in an inhuman kind of a way. And so this mm-hmm. human, um, inhuman dynamic, um, you know, felt felt really uh, like a very um, particular and um, insightful tension to, to mm-hmm. create. Um, and then there's this feeling of suspense that also felt like it drove the moment, the, the awesome. narrative momentum i'm certainly trying to figure out you know what in the world is going on um but then also that you know that that kathy is explicit about um about that these are memories that you know she says i suppose on page 138 she says i'm not sure how on page for on page 49 or as far as i remember on page 61 and sort of this like mm-hmm. you know casting of like these are memories and so we are uncertain about their truthfulness, um, but that um, that 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 uncertainty both created the suspense as well as just the like, what is going on in this world, right. and how do we better right. under you know, reading through it? Um, how do we how can we better understand it? And then, of course, there are specific pivotal moments that felt like they. Um, that they cast real, shed real light on the relationships at Hailsham, at the Mm -hmm. cottages. um, And, um, and that, you know, I wanted to better understand those relationships and the ways that they were going to unfold through this very particular world within the context Mm -hmm. of this very particular world that had been created.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even like the suspense too, like it's very, um, it's it's small things like it's the little things, right? Like for example, the tape.
0: She talks mm. about it
1: in you know the the about the album "Songs After Dark" by Judy Bridgewater. Um, it, she talks about it in such a way that, um, you know, like oh, when I. When I came across this tape later in my life, oh, this was not the first one that I lost, but this is the one that Tommy and I found years later. Um, and she's talking about all these different time frames, mm. like from from this point, from the present tense, and you really want to know, like, what is she talking about? I want to find out more about the tape, and I think these are the moments that helps create that that uh, narrative momentum, right? So. Um yeah there's so much to learn uh, from this i think <laughs>
0: absolutely and um, that and that um, Ishiguru really would leave us in these um you know she Ishiguru really gave us insight into kathy's reflection on moments and so mm-hmm. you know from uh we we um she would drop these hints of um of what these memories meant to her in the present. You know, in the context of a present that is so um, full of these, the intensity of the lived experience that Mm -hmm. she was living in the present that she was experiencing um, and just what the memories now meant, um, which just also felt like such a universal experience. Mm Yeah.
1: Um,
0: We have another question. Um, Mm -hmm. The true nature of the character's lives isn't revealed properly until a certain point in the book. What does Ishiguru achieve by keeping this information secret? What are the moments when you started understanding what was happening? What do you think of the narrative form?
1: Mm, yeah, um, yeah, we kind of talked about this. The narrative form um, is so non-linear, right? And then the Kath, the narrator, like Kathy goes back and forth in time a lot, yet the book is like neatly divided into three parts, right? So mm-hmm. the first part is set in the school, like Hailsham school, the second part in this area called the cottages, right? And the third part um, in these hospitals, right, where she's um, caring for uh, the donors. Um, and Ishiguro, in terms of like, you know, Uh, We kind of touched upon this earlier. Ishiguro mirrors how the students come to know the truth about their existence with how the reader comes to know the truth as well, right? So, um, like an example that I always think of in such situations, it is a universal thing when you're a child and when you're growing up. My parents both of them worked in, in hospital in the same hospital growing up and I just thought that's what all parents do—they work together, right? And uh, and it's it kind of fe- mm-hmm. felt like something like that, where Kathy kept saying uh, we kind of know along the way, you know, but not really, right? Yes. Even like as young as um, when they were eight, yes. they they she talks about knowing what donations were, but not really knowing, right? Um, for me, I think the point when I truly became aware of like what was happening mm. was, um, I think it was on page eighty. Uh, 81 like um, where Miss Lucy one of the guardians right she overhears the conversation a few of the students were having about wanting to become actors and move to America after they grew up grew up um, and I think the kids were about 15 at the time and Miss Lucy kind of stops them like she's like mm.
0: um,
1: and you know she kind of you know, become, becomes very um, transparent with them, right? And she's like, your lives are set out for you. You'll become adults. And before you're old, before you're even middle age, you'll start to donate your vital organs. That's what each of you was created to do, right? If you're to have decent lives, you have to know who you are and what lies ahead of you, every one of you.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that is when it really kind of hit me, I guess. And also that is a big memory for Kathy in terms of like when they really came to know about it right um and we don't come to know about this until like a quarter into the book right? mm. um, and the way he keeps this information from the reader like that's masterful it, he doesn't really like keep anything secret it's not like oh we're suddenly getting this information but but he really does right? mm-hmm. so i think there's again so much to learn from the way he does that um, and i think it really works i think it really works that he did it this way Because, um, you know, we are introduced to the characters first as human beings, right? So we care for them deeply by the time we know their truth, right? In the sense, it's not really dystopian fiction, but it happens to be a moving tale about love and friendship, you know, set in a different setting, right? Um, In an interview, like we, I think we both watched it, like Ishiguro said, um, he wanted to explore the themes of love and friendship in the context of mortality, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why he crafted this environment where mortality is more pronounced, right? Where mortality is really front and center of their existence, right? Um, so I think that's one of the devices that he's used. Um, this whole dystopian setting is a device that he used to kind of bring his story forward in a more pronounced way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the yeah. moment that I thought was so interesting too, of course,
0: that we're, you know, the uncovering of them as clones, that they are different, that their futures will be different, um, and that they, they knew an element of this, not in a deep sense, she says, um, that we were different from our guardians and also from the normal people outside. We perhaps even knew that a long way down the line, there were donations waiting for us, but we didn't really know what that meant. Um, so there's, of mm. course, that uncovering of that storyline. But then there's the uncovering when they're with Miss Emily and with Madame at the end of the story Mm, where there's suddenly this pivotal moment where, you know, that um, she has... Kathy has understood that their humanity is their status as humans is contested. That they don't they aren't fully mm. really seen as humans. But then what the what that moment with Madame and Miss Emily cast light on is that this schooling at Helsham that she had had held so dear and so formative in her life um, that it was actually designed for her to not be able to see that she was that her humanity was quest, was contested. Right. It was under, that there was this mm. whole world that was created. Uh, through which she could feel human um and that it was very explicit, so that they could have their childhood um they were not given they were only given little bits of information um and that you know there's that sudden insight of um right that not only is there a contested their their status as as full humans is contested, and we start to get insights into that in a real you know beautiful. In a weaving way, um, but then there's this big aha of, um that they're that realizing that that there was so much that was withheld so that they could have their mm. their full childhoods um and that just felt like such an opportunity um, to examine one's own life and certainly as a parent right. to examine one 's way of being a parent um, and also just you know the way that we we are in relationship with each other when we have information. Um, you know, about the way that things are in the broader in a broader right. context.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, um, that kind of brings us to our last question. Um, the characters never plan to leave or revolt. What, how is this brought into focus or placed in the distance through the use of the first person narrative?
0: Well, something that I thought that was so interesting was that, of course, um, there was, you know, the, the, the drive to tell the characters, um, you know, there was the, the one teacher who was like, we have to tell you what is actually mm. happening to you. Miss um, yes. Lucy's speech, that we have to let yes. you know what is, you know, that that you deserve to know the context. Right. And so that was really the only moment that we got of revolt or of, you know, stepping out of this construction of this world um, by any of the characters. Um, and And that was quickly sort of, you know, she's, she quickly is forced to leave Hailsham. Um but the the um, the none of the characters actually um, actually revolt. And it was very interesting hearing um, hearing that uh, Ishiguro speak to this um, and you know be asked why why did none of the characters revolt? And um, and he was speaking to in an interview, um, you know that that he was actually most interested in the ways that we stay and that we stay in contexts that are, you know, depriving ourselves, because I'm reading into this a little bit, but that are depriving ourselves of our own humanity um, that are, you know, unjust systems and unjust societies. And that we actually, we actually do stay in those moments and in in that world and that we don't revolt. And, and he was really interested in, in that. Um, And, um, and that, You know, reading different uh, analysis of analyses of this, of the novel, and, you know, some people ask, you know, was it because of the education? And is, is what is the role that education plays in, in us maintaining the status quo and not revolting in these moments of, um, of extreme injustice? Um, And, you know, um, you know, that one, one analysis was saying, you know, what is, what is more human than the instinctual rebellion and desire to live? And so does this give us insight into the into Kathy and all of the clones, um, reality is less than human. And of course, another analysis asked, um, in fact, what is more human than a desire, desire for a stable identity and creating significance in one's own existence, You know, which is through that, that narrative that Kathy weaves um, and the, the meaning making that she engages in. And I think that um, more than either of those questions being um, the question what feels interesting is that this novel allows us to look at both of those questions and many more that really think about you know what do we do in the context of um, of you know an unjust context and and what are the relationships that we build? you know so much of this story was really focused on the depth of those relationships and and Ishiguru also in, a, in another interview was really saying, you know, that um, he he wanted to really focus on relationships and allow the characters to develop through the relationship, through understanding the, the contours of the relationship, what happened when... Um, um, what, what did allow, that allow him as a writer to really understand of the characters? And so, you know, understanding that this is um, a story about the struggle in the face of an impending and, um, and certain death, Um, but that it's also about the deep love between the friends and and whether that love can save them in the context of an unjust society.
1: So this was great, Anna. I was so happy to have this discussion with you. Um, And I really look forward to talking to um, Catherine and the rest of the class um, later today.
0: We have two prompts that we'll be focusing on during the class time uh, in the breakout groups and also getting a chance to, to discuss this further. Thank you all so much. And we'll see you soon.
1: We'll see you soon. Bye bye. Bye, folks.